Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Books Network. This is your host, Morteza Hajizadeh from Critical Theory Channel. Today, I'm honored to be speaking with John Manuel Rubino, who has published a wonderful book with Oxford University Press. The book is called The Dangerous Life and Ideas of Diogenes the Cynic. So, Jean, welcome to New Books Network. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, before we start the interview, can you briefly introduce yourself, talk about your expertise, uh, and also why you decided to write this book? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so I've been working during the past 20 years on uh, um, social history of ancient Greece, so uh, analyzing uh, uh, social inequalities. Uh, so uh, I've been working around what we call sometimes in the American-speaking, uh, English-speaking world, uh, subaltern studies. Um, and uh, I, I keep on working on that field, social uh, uh, history of ancient Greece, th- through uh, biographies. And uh, Diogenes uh, is, uh, in fact, one of my... Uh, um, uh, field of work um, um, through through this idea of uh, social biographies, meaning that uh, uh, through Diogenes, my point was to try to study the the place, uh, the situation, the social condition of beggars in ancient uh, cities. Um, and this is my first uh, area of work. And the second one is uh, history of ancient sport. Mm. And the book that you wrote earlier, which I couldn't pronounce, and I must apologize to you, that's, uh, what is it called in English? Has it been translated to English? Ah, uh, Milo of Croton. Uh, it's Milo of Croton, the, the birth of sport or the invention of sport. Yes, uh, this, it is a, um, a biography I uh, released in 2016, uh, studying the condition of the birth of sport uh, during the 6th century BC Greece. Uh, through the first athlete we can try to build a biography uh, about or build a portrait. So Milo was the most famous uh, athlete of antiquity. He's been a uh, uh, seven times um, Olympic champion in wrestling and he had a very uh, um, interesting life. Uh, he is one of the first athletes to follow a, a very specific uh, diet, uh, mm-hmm. athletic diet. He's been a, a warrior too with his city, uh, Croton, and uh, he was part of uh, uh, Pythagore uh, community. He was, in fact, the um, the husband of one of uh, Pythagore's daughters. Mm. Uh, so I through through Milo of Croton, my point was to to understand how uh, in the cities of the sixth century BC uh, the social figure of the athlete appeared. We don't have athletes before that time, but we have them for the next millennium. So the point of the study was to try to understand the condition of birth of uh, sport at that time. Uh, and uh, tell us about this current book that we're discussing, The Dangerous uh, Life and Ideas of Di- the Diogenes the Cynic. Uh, there are a lot of books about uh, Diogenes. Why you decided to write this book and what makes it a bit different from the existing books? 
Yeah, the point was to to try to build an historical portrait. So uh, it was um, the the core idea was not to build uh, a description of the philosophy only, but to uh, provide context to the life of Diogenes and to his philosophy. Meaning that I try through the book to uh, to show that there are very strong links uh, between the context of Diogenes' life and uh, his uh, philosophical uh, proposals. So that was that was the point. The point was to uh, to approach Diogenes in an historical uh, angle and point of view, and not uh, only a philosophical one. Mm. Um, so uh, he's he's quite famous for those who love philosophy, but let's just assume that some of our listeners are not familiar with him. So for the sake of the uninitiated, can it briefly tell us who uh, Diogenes was and what his ideas were very, very briefly, then we'll delve deeper into his ideas and your book. Yeah, he's a man of the fourth century BC. He's a Greek uh, from a, a Greek city from the Black Sea, Sinop. And uh, the main point of uh, the Cynic philosophy was to uh, um, defend uh, the idea of uh, um, a life of simplicity, a life of autarky, uh, with no uh, um, belonging, no attachment to uh, anything. Mm. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of his ideas. Uh, but before that, what were some available direct textual sources about him that we have, that have come from antiquity? How do we know about him and his life? Yeah, we, we have some uh, um, Greek sources, Latin sources, and uh, Arabic uh, medieval sources, who are, uh, which are providing a lot of anecdotes about Diogenes. The biggest... Uh, a piece of uh, evidence uh, comes from a, an author of the third century after Christ, which is with name uh, with a homonym of uh, Diogenes. His name is Diogenes of Laertius. Mm. So he was a um, an historian of philosophy in a way, and he in his uh, um, in he, he made kind of history of uh, ancient philosophy through the different schools uh, and through portraits. And uh, he made a portrait of uh, Diogenes and the other cynics too, other cynic philosophers too. And uh, through uh, this uh, life of Diogenes, we get uh, a big part of the uh, information and data we have about Diogenes. Uh, basically, we we have made mainly um, anecdotes about Diogenes' life and uh, uh, kind of wisdom sayings that uh, Diogenes is supposed to have said in different uh, situations and contexts. We don't have much uh, documents from Diogenes himself, apart from some fragments of uh, um, political philosophy treaties uh, that we get from uh, Philodemos of Gadara. So we have uh, some very little, uh, very few uh, texts uh, of Diogenes himself uh, transmitted through through fragments. But most of our knowledge comes from uh, anecdotes and sayings uh, attributed to Diogenes. Mm. And uh, he, he let's say, who, who was his father and how did he become... Diogenes himself became a slave in your book. You discuss that part. So can you tell us a little bit about his life before he decided to become a cynic and also uh, how he was enslaved and how he gained his freedom back? Okay, so so he's born in uh, Sinop, uh, so in the Greek city of the 
the south shore of the North Sea, uh, the Black Sea, sorry. Um, he lived there for the first part of his life with his father and his family. His father, Icesius, was uh, um, sometimes at least a magistrate, so he had some uh, uh, responsibilities in the city uh, dealing uh, mainly with uh, the change of money on the market. He was what Greek called uh, trapezitis, so meaning someone was changing money, uh, mainly, and doing some kind of banking activity. Um, so that's the first uh, information we have uh, about Diogenes. We also know that uh, he was forced to exile um, after a kind of uh, complex affair of uh, counterfeited money. So he, he had to... to uh, go away from his city very quickly, uh, not to be uh, put in jail or even maybe executed uh, at the time. He was involved uh, mm. in the this um, counterfeiting uh, uh, money uh, affair. And uh, that, that's the beginning of the story, in a way, of uh, our Diogenes. I mean, the Diogenes as a philosopher. Uh, because as far as we can understand, he began, he began, he began sorry, a life of philosophy um, after this exile or because of this uh, exile on the, on the way he was forced to um, get detached from uh, everything he was attached to uh, until then. So uh, Diogenes as a philosopher begins after this uh, this exile. You ask me about uh, the enslavement. We, we, yeah. we know that he's been, as many Greeks of the time, he's been abducted by pirates, um, maybe around 340 or a bit after that. And he was sold to a, a Corinthian master, uh, Xeniades, who, uh, who made him work with his kids. Uh, so he was, uh, um, at the same time, a kind of tutor for the children, tutor of children of uh, Xeniades. And then he was uh, uh, also a steward of his estates. And uh, after some years, he was uh, released, he was freed, and he, he came back to freedom uh, because of a decision of uh, enfranchisement of uh, Xeniades, his master. So yes, he, he had a kind of uh, um, very agitated life in a way because he, he had to suffer exile, he had to suffer mm. enslavement. Um, so he, he's been, uh, because of these experiences, he's been uh, going through a lot of different uh, social conditions, social position, uh, social experiences. And this is part of his uh, um, his portrait. And he's explained to the, the way he developed his own philosophy and this ability to to get detached from everything. Mm. And, and when did he become this wandering philosopher? When did he decide to, and why? Why did he decide to kind of abandon everything and start wandering around? The wandering part must have become when he, he went in exile, but uh, when did he exactly become a philosopher? We are not sure. Maybe during the 360s, um, he, he might have met um, Antisthenes in Athens at the beginning of the 360s, uh, and it, it could be the, the beginning point of his uh, wandering uh, life. But about chronology here, there is nothing much that is clear. We don't have so many uh, chronological details about uh, uh, Diogenes. We don't even know when he was born. Yeah. 
at the end of the 5th century BC, but uh, nothing more precise than that. And uh, we don't really know when he died. He might have died in 324 during an Olympic year. Some sources say that. Uh, he might have died in 323 uh, during the same year as Alexander. Some uh, documents say that. So we know he, he died in the 320s, but uh, difficult to be more uh, more precise about that. Mm. And and uh, so what? what uh, uh, let, let me let me put it this way: Why why did he show uh, contempt for social conventions? Yeah, the the the, um, the cynic body of doctrine is uh, attacking uh, every kind of uh, social convention. So the point is to come back. Uh, either to simplicity or to uh, nature. So uh, every time there is a social convention, cynics um, contest it or uh, try to demonstrate this is just nothing more but a social convention. This is not a fact of nature. So uh, you don't need to respect property. This is a social convention. You don't need to marry. Uh, you don't need to build a family. You don't need to feel part of any kind of group, uh, tribe, village, uh, uh, citizenship. The only um, belonging is a kind of natural one, the belonging to um, a brotherhood of man, if you want, humanity. And uh, was he ever subjected to, sub subject to violence or contempt because of his way of life and because of his ideas during his own life, I'm sure his ideas were not that popular by the by 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 by, by the authorities of the time. Yeah, it's a um, it's a contrasted situation. At the same time, it seems that Diogenes was appreciated uh, in Athens and Corinth, where he lived. Uh, mm -hmm. He shared his life in, in between Athens and uh, and Corinth. Um, so it seems that he was appreciated by most of people living there. But at the same time, uh, he and most of philosophers have been uh, attacked sometimes physically uh, during the fifth, the fourth century, and the century after that uh, and uh, Diogenes was one of them uh, we have an anecdote telling that he's been beaten one day by an Athenian named Midias uh, and then he came back the next day with some boxing gloves and uh, decided to uh, pay back uh, to uh, to Midias so the what is uh, specific with Diogenes is not that he was uh, he suffered violence most of cynic philosophers suffered from uh, verbal or physical violence but what is uh, specific with Diogenes is, is, is he was he was responding he was using violence too while someone like uh, uh, Plato or Socrates would not in the same situation have used um, violence but yes philosophers were contesting some uh, um, common rules uh, the social conventions you were referring to before and because mm -hmm. of that some people felt uh, uh, insulted uh, and uh, reacted in a violent way and what was his, his ideas about wealth and the wealthy class in general? Did he advocate for poverty? He, in a way, yes, we, you could say that he advocated for autarky, for um, frugality. Uh, mm. the, the point is that you you have to uh, decrease 
your needs. So the the relationship with poverty and wealth is uh, um, quite elaborate. In fact, at, at the end of the 5th century BC and the beginning of the 4th century, you have a kind of movement in the philosophical schools um, and treaties about oikonomia, what Greeks call at the time oikonomia, where it gave mm. our economy. And uh, oikonomia is a kind of new field of thinking, uh, which is about the management of the household of someone. So new terms appear in the Greek language, oikonomos, with the one, who, the guy who is administering his house, the man who is administering his house, uh, the verb oikonomeo, which means that you are managing, managing your household, and etc. And uh, the, what I'm trying to say is there is a kind of new autonomous field of science, which is about understanding the rules of uh, domestic management. And um, the, the cynics uh, have been part of that uh, movement and have been uh, uh, developing some thoughts about what you need uh, in a house, what you don't need, uh, what relationship it has to be between your needs and your means. And the main point here is that in uh, Diogenes' ID, the, um, the relationship of someone with wealth and poverty uh, is uh, quite easy. If Even if you have a huge um, uh, money, if you have uh, lots of social obligation and you have lots of needs, you can feel poor. So there is a distinction between the fact of poverty and the feeling of poverty. You can have a lot of wealth and still feel poor because you uh, you feel that your wealth is not enough to face your needs. So the point of the cynic uh, philosophy in matter of wealth and poverty is to decrease your needs to the minimum. So you will feel rich, uh, whatever is the situation, you will always have more than what you need. So uh, in a way, uh, you could describe the cynic philosophy as the choice of poverty. And in another way, uh, you could say that in a cynic point of view, cynic life is to be rich, whatever is your material situation. And you spoke about these, in a way, we can argue that he was uh, kind of advocating for frugality, uh, but he, he transformed the idea of, let's say, begging and turned it into something reciprocal, a reciprocal practice. How did he do that? And what did he mean by begging being a reciprocal practice? Yeah, uh, the thing is, in the, the social life of the cities of the time, there is a value, uh, very important, a key value, which is called philia, that we can translate by reciprocity. And philia is a kind of relationship you have to build with um, people around you, your family, your friends, your neighbors. And uh, this kind of relation of reciprocity will uh, provide uh, protection and security when you need it. So you help your neighbor and uh, someday when you will need his help, he will provide it. That's, that's the logic of the system. In a way, it's a kind of social security system, but the uh, ancient version of it. And uh, so the, the point is you always have to um, build this kind of reciprocal relationships. And beggars in the Greek world were considered as um, exceptions 
to that. They were parasites. They were understood as parasites because they were ne never giving back anything. So you give something to the beggar and the beggar never gives back. So uh, in a Greek point of view, this was a, a huge social issue because then the beggars were out of the social game, if you want. Um, and what is original with the cynic uh, philosophy uh, on that point is that uh, Diogenes said, OK, we, we don't ask for arms. In fact, we yes, we ask for arms, but we provide in return. Uh, some kind of uh, philosophical uh, help, philosophical advice, uh, orientations. So it is reciprocal. So what is original with the uh, um, philosophical uh, uh, way of begging is that exactly the fact that uh, begging is no longer a kind of asymmetric uh, behavior or social action, but it's a reciprocal one because the beggar asks for an, but provides something in return. So it's a kind of re-evaluation of the act of begging. Mm. That's a quite interesting way of looking, uh, looking at it. Um, <clears throat> what about uh, the idea how we can, how he also believed that uh, we can achieve self-sufficiency and freedom by practicing one's body. What did he mean by that? And how do we achieve those ideas of self-sufficiency and freedom through, through yeah. body yeah, practices? Yes, yeah, the thing is, the the first point is, is um, cynicism is not only a body of doctrine, it's a philosophy of action, uh, mm. in action. So uh, you your body is involved. In your philosophy because you are um, acting every day as an agent of your own philosophy not only a scholar talking about ideas but you are uh, behaving in a physical point of view and in an everyday point of view as uh, as a cynic and the body is involved because the body has some needs so uh, it's a question of comfort uh, for cynics you have to try to get rid of every uh, kind of uh, comfort uh, in your life. You just have to go back to the essential needs. So uh, if you are, if you feel cold, you have to get used to feel cold. And Diogenes was mm -hmm. uh, uh, supposed to uh, grasp in winter statues covered with snow to um, to to increase his resistance to uh, to cold. And uh, if you uh, live outside, you have to be able to resist to the heat of the sun too. And Diogenes was reputed to uh, roll himself in very hot sand in uh, summer to learn to uh, resist heat. So the, the point is to, um, to give the body, to increase the body abilities to be able to face uh, any kind of discomfort. That's the same idea as before. In a way, you have to uh, decrease your needs and increase your ability to um, to be okay to face uh, mm. situations, even uncomfortable ones. And, and Diogenes is usually uh, associated with, uh, with, with 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 dogs, right? How how did he and other things were identified with dogs, and did he? And the idea behind that is, of course, to aspire aspire towards nature. And for the Greek idea of divinity, which uh, uh, I'm very keen to hear more about. Yeah, uh, 
Antisthenes before uh, Diogenes, Diogenes and the, the, the cynic pupils after that um, were often called uh, dogs, and it was at the beginning an insult. Uh, so mm. uh, uh, the, the term of cynic, cynicism, came, come from, uh, comes from uh, uh, the Greek term kuon, which means dog. And uh, so at the beginning, that's an insult. But uh, uh, what Diogenes did is to um grasp that insult and make a kind of uh, uh, coat of arms of it uh, like a philosophical uh, coat of arms of it saying yes i am a dog i am a dog because uh, i live like a dog uh, i am honest uh, like a dog uh, so i will react honestly and spontaneously to things uh, i live a life of frugality i uh, i am always happy uh, with what i have uh, if I have a bone, it's fine. If I have bread, it's fine. So, so the point is to use a dog as a kind of um, model, role model, uh, because in cynic uh, point of view, there is a kind of hierarchy with men uh, on the bottom, uh, gods uh, on the top, and in between uh, animals, because uh, men are really dependent on comfort, while animals are less dependent on comfort, more autistic, and the gods uh, are kind of uh, absolute model of autarky. They don't need anything. If they if they don't eat, no problem. If they don't drink, no problem. So uh, gods are kind of uh, a theoretical model uh, expressing the idea of uh, autarky. And men are at the bottom of that system. And the only exception is sage men who can uh, work uh, on their uh, philosophical abilities and who can uh, be positioned in a way between animals and gods. But every other man is at the bottom of the pile in that uh, point of view. So yes, uh, the cynics were uh, called dogs and uh, claimed to be ones because of that. And it also demonstrates the... Cynic's ideas of freedom as well, right? Um, yeah, you could say that. The, the, the idea is that you, you, your needs are uh, things you depend on. Mm. Uh, so you, it's kind of uh, enslavement. So uh, to you, if you want to be free, you have to be able to get rid of everything that enslave you. So uh, in cynic point of view, in Diogenes point of view, uh, there are some things that you can be uh, tempted to desire. You can be tempted to uh, get a better status. You can be tempted to uh, search for more money or you can be tempted to search for more glory. For example, if you are an athlete and uh, the point is to uh, get rid of that uh, desires, this kind of desires, this kind of temptations, and uh, go back to uh, a life of frugality and uh, simplicity. And this is uh, synonymous of freedom. As long as you don't depend on your needs, uh, on, on as long as you have very few needs, then you are free. Mm. And, and this whole philosophy of cynicism, it's... It's different from Stoicism, but I'm guessing there, there is a little bit of overlap. Is, am, I, am I right to assume that? Yes, uh, you could say that Stoics are a Stoic um, philosophical movement is a kind of uh, um, child of a cynicism mm. uh, 
philosophical movement. The the but the the, the one of the difference is that the the tendency to transgression, which is very very strong in a cynic uh, approach of philosophy, is. Uh, more or less absent from Stoic philosophy. So the, the Stoic are some kind of uh, uh, reasonable cynics, if you want. <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, thank you very, very much, uh, Jean, for talking with us on New Books Network about your wonderful book, The Dangerous Life and Ideas of Diogenes the Cynic. It's a very short and accessible book, and it's quite insightful. There are lots of great ideas which can beautifully introduce uh, the ideas of uh, Diogenes to us. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us on New Books Network.